chapter 28 this morning. Again, this is the pinnacle of our Christian faith. Uh, this is what we celebrate uh, looking at what is called the Resurrection Day. Now, we often refer to this as Easter. Again, Easter consists of the entire Passover celebration, if you would. Last week, we looked at the beginning of Passion Week from Matthew chapter number 21, where the triumphal entry of our Lord Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem. We understood that the Lord was to be the Passover sacrifice for the whole world that's illustrated by His entrance into Jerusalem. A lot happened during that week. Again, there's a lot of details we can look at uh, that's outlined in the Bible just in this one week. We may think about the conspiracy against Christ against, uh, from the, the Jewish leaders that were there. Sometimes we'll think about uh, Judas Iscariot and how, uh, again, he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. We can look at the, the Last Supper that he had, the last Passover feast that he had with his disciples. And the importance of what it was in instituting the Lord's Supper, which we will, uh, again, take part in this evening as well. From there, we can look to the agony of the, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where the Lord Jesus cried out for you and I, for us to be saved, for us to follow Him and to live for Him. And during that time of prayer, again, it was so important that as He was praying, there was a, a great multitude of people, the Bible says, that came with Judas Iscariot and they watched Him betray Him with a kiss. Again, there's a lot of things we can look at. We can look at the trial. We can look at those that were, uh, again, uh, the false witnesses against Christ. We can stop and think about him standing before Pilate. We could reflect on him being mocked and beaten by the, the soldiers that were there. But then finally we come to the crucifixion. Many churches around the world this morning are preaching on this very subject of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an important message. It's one that needs to be told over and over and over again. But this morning, I want to look at what happened beyond the crucifixion. What happened after that? What was to come following the crucifixion? You know, there's a lot of people today, uh, some denominations and religions believe, and still have Jesus on the cross. But I'm here to tell you this morning that my Savior, my Lord, is no longer on the cross. He's not still pierced on that cross. He's been put into a tomb. And for three days he was there. He was buried, but yet he rose again. That's the important part that I want us to look at this morning, is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. You know, we could go back through the Old Testament even, and see how the Lord Jesus Christ predicted his time in the tomb. You can go back to Hosea chapter 6 and verse number 2, where it says, After two days he will receive us, and the third day he will rise up and we shall be in his sight. We can go back and look in Matthew chapter number 12, verse number 40, speaking of Jonah. Why was Jonah in the whale's belly three days and three nights? Again, a prophecy of what was to come of the Lord Jesus Christ being three days in the heart of the earth. So again, we can go back and look at that. But what happened on Resurrection Sunday? What happened on this day over 2,000 years ago? That's what I want to look at this morning. That's why we worship here today. Notice and understand that today is not the Sabbath day. We are not Jews. We do not celebrate the Sabbath. We celebrate the resurrection. Because we believe He is the Messiah. The Jews are still looking for the Messiah. 
They're still waiting for Him to come. But we understand Scripture and what it shows to us, what it teaches us, that Jesus Christ is our Messiah. He has come. He is resurrected. And that's what we celebrate this morning. So let's look at this account here from the eyes of Matthew. Uh, again, here we're in Matthew chapter 28. Begin reading in verse number 1. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. This morning, as we look at this account, understanding the resurrection, there are four things that happened on that day that are continuing to happen today. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Four events that happened that day that continue today. But as we get started here, let's have a word of prayer this morning. Lord, again, we thank you. Thank you so much for coming to this earth. Willing to lay down your life to be crucified for us. Lord, but we understand and we know that you are no longer in that tomb. You're no longer in that grave. That you have power over death and hell and on that third and glorious day, you rose again. Lord, to again free us from sin. To, to, to free us from the bondage that Satan has over us, Lord. And we're so thankful that you have come to do that. To redeem us to God. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to focus on these events. Lord, help us to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and lives. That we can understand what it's all about. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that is not saved, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, directing God has helped us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Resurrection Sunday. It's more than just a once-a-year occurrence. Now understand, again, we show up on Sunday morning every week. Every week, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, Sunday school, 11 o'clock, Sunday morning worship. All right. So again, now everybody knows. We come here every week for that reason to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Now, again, we may think, well, it's not Easter time. It doesn't matter. We celebrate every week because of what God has done for us. It's that important to us, or at least it should be. So, what happens on that day that continues to happen today? The first thing I want you to see is that the angels were involved. The angels were involved. Uh, again, we could see here it's the end of the Sabbath. Saturday was ending. It was the dawning of a new day. The first day of the week, it was Sunday. On that dawn of that morning, we find Mary Magdalene, the one that Jesus had cast out seven devils. We find the other Mary. This was the Lord's mother, Mary. Then we find a young lady by the name of Salome. She was the mother of James and John. And then there was another name that was mentioned, Joanna. 
Now you're maybe asking, where do I get all these names from? If you study what we call the Synoptic Gospels, the, the books of the, the Gospels that we find, each one mentions a different name. There could have been more than that that were there at that time. There could have been a, a, a large gaggle of women coming to, uh, again, pay the respects to the Lord and what He has done. Uh, again, to, to lay spices into what we would consider embalming Him. They were coming to pay their respects to the Lord. And it's important that we understand what, from there what had happened. As you picture in your mind, maybe as I do, when I read through Scripture, it kind of plays that movie in your head. We find the angel coming down, again from heaven, the earth beginning to shake, announcing his presence. The angel rolling back the stone from the door, and then again sitting on top of that stone. His raiment was white, the Bible says, glowing, if you would. It was such an event that it caused the soldiers guarding the tomb to faint. It says that they were as dead men. They fainted in what was going on. Not very good soldiers, were they? But they had fainted. They had gone and not, not understood what was going on. Not just that event, but I also understand and believe that it was the message that they were bringing. This was the whole idea for them to come. Many believe that this was the angel Gabriel. Now again, if we study Scripture, we understand that numerous times throughout the Bible we find where Gabriel was the one that brought the messages. You can go back and look in Daniel. <clears throat> He's the one that brought uh, the interpretation that Daniel had. Look back in Luke chapter 1. Gabriel was the angel that brought the message to Zechariah as he was told that he would have a son, John the Baptist, in his latter years. Gabriel was also the angel that brought word to Mary that she was to be born, or uh, again, that she was conceived of the Holy Ghost and that she would bring forth a son named Jesus. So again, we find here that uh, Gabriel was probably the one that was bringing this message. He was the messenger angel, if you would, out of the three named angels we have in Scripture. There's a lot of people that will bring their own ideas and thoughts regarding angels and all that's going on, but you understand there are only three that we know of by name. We understand Gabriel, we understand the archangel, and we understand who Lucifer is. Those are the three that we understand and know. But they were coming again to bring this message. But also we need to understand that angels come to battle spiritual warfare. They come to fight. Now, I know I've said this before, we often think about angels and being that, that maybe a blonde-headed little girl who's playing the harp and bring, we've seen little trinkets and things like that. Uh, that's not an angel, by the way. Study your Bible and you'll know that. They are coming to fight. They are coming to battle. And I don't want some little, uh, little, little girl with blonde hair fighting for me. Uh, you know, I want the rock to come, don't you understand? That's who I want to fight for me. I want somebody like that to come and do my battle for me. And if we understand Scripture, that's exactly what they were like. Each time they're referenced and mentioned, it's in male form. It's a masculine term. So again, there's a lot of misnomers that we have when it comes to understanding angels. But uh, we, we believe that they came to battle. They came to fight. If you were to go back and look in the book of Luke, on the same account, you'll say that it mentions that there were two men in that same uh, uh, garment, the same array. It could have been one that came to give the message. could have been another one that came to fight. In case he needed to. But there are spiritual warfares going on. There's spiritual battle going on right now. You ever wonder why you're sitting in church and you're starting to think about what we're going to have for lunch? What's going to do, what am I going to have to do at work tomorrow? Or what's going on with the kids? It's a spiritual warfare. 
a spiritual battle is going on because, again, Satan is trying to control your mind. He can't read your mind, understand that. But he's trying to get you to think apart from what is being said here this morning. Satan does not want you to understand what is being said. Satan does not want you to read your Bible. He doesn't want you to be here. You ever wonder why everybody gets sick on Sunday? You ever wonder why people can't uh, start their car, the, the dog runs off, whatever the case, it all happens on Sunday morning. Why? Because you have intention of maybe going to church. Maybe you have an intention of reading your Bible and things come up, things happen. Satan does not want you here, and he definitely does not want you to pay attention. So there are spiritual warfare going on around us all the time. And I'm thankful that I have somebody that's going to come and fight for me. That's going to battle for me. I don't have to do it. I don't have to worry about it. The Lord and His angels are here to take care of us. To help us and guide us. But you know, those are some things that we don't quite understand. We don't hear people talking about that unless we watch it on some kind of movie or something. And most of the time they get it wrong, by the way. Study your Bible. Get back in the Bible. What does the Bible say? Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but, with, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against wickedness in high places. We have ministering angels who are continually fighting our battles for us. Just as they did back then in biblical times, they do it today. Satan and his deadbeat demons don't want us to pay attention. They don't want us to be here. This is why it's important that we have those ministering angels to help us. The second event that happened that first Sunday, that first resurrection day that we find here in this passage is the announcement of good news. The announcement of good news. Look back with me at verse number 6 again. It says, He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. We find that the angels proclaiming the most important message ever spoken. He was telling these women that they were there to minister to this body, to, to minister to the Lord, but that He was no longer here. The good news is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn back there with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Again, it's great that we look throughout Scripture and find this account. It's not my opinion. It's not just one author. But again, it's, it's woven throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, begin in verse number 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, but which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless... Ye have believed in vain. For I believed unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You know, I'm thankful that we have people today that are still following this third verse, that they are telling others what they have been told. We have had people tell us, share with us the message of the gospel. And it is our responsibility to continue to share that good news with other people. But the good news is simply this, that he was died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. This was the, the message that this angel was sharing. You can go back and look in chapter 28, the very end of that chapter, and find what we call the Great Commission. 
The Great Commission was the, the last command that the Lord Jesus gave to the disciples before He ascended into heaven. This goes to show how important this message was. The last thing He said, hey, disciples, I've been telling you all these different things, and I've, I've taught you this, I've taught you that, and I've got one final thing that I want to make sure I tell you. Listen up, listen up. Go ye into all the world. Just like we have back here. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He says right there at the end of verse, chapter 28, it says that we are to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is what we're to do. That's the command that we have been given by the Lord. The good news that needs to be shared around the world is that He is not here. He is risen. I'm thankful that my God is not dead, aren't you? I'm grateful that the one that I love, the one I serve, is not some man-made idol. He is someone that can hear my cry. He is someone that can feel my pain. He is someone that can help me get through the trials and troubles of life. Psalms 135 verses 15 through 17 says this, The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither have there any breath in their mouths. This does not describe my God. My God is not dead. My God is not made by man's hands or man's imaginations. I serve the one and true God, the creator of all things. When God sent His only Son to this earth, it was not for Him to die and to remain in the grave. He was sent here to live a perfect life. But He was sent here to be a sacrifice for all of mankind. And unlike any other man, He didn't die and stay in the grave. He rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell. As we sang this morning, He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. I'm thankful that my God lives. He willingly laid down His life. It wasn't someone that somebody made Him do. You know, you stop and look at it, and how could someone uh, of His power and his, his authority stay nailed to a cross? He could have called a legion of angels to come and get Him down off that cross. But what kept Him there was His love for you and for me. John chapter 10. Turn back there if you would. John chapter 10. Look with me at verses 17 and 18. John chapter 10. Verse 17 and 18 says this, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He has the ability to lay it down, but He also has the ability to raise it up. No other human, no other person on this earth has that ability to do so. We find again these verses that are written in red. This is Jesus speaking here. And I'm thankful that He wants us to be reunited with our Lord and Savior, with our God in, in heaven. The whole reason Jesus gave His life was so we could be redeemed. So we could be reconciled to God. He paid that sin debt that was owed for each one of us. Isaiah chapter 59 verse number 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Our sin separates us from God. 
our unconfessed sin, if we have not taken time to confess our sins to God, there is a barrier, there is a wall that is separating us from Him. And I know nobody likes to hear that. Uh, today, we, we like to hear all lovey-dovey, everything's great and fine, dandy. But if you've got sin in your life, guess what? You've been separated from God. And until you confess it, until you make it right, that barrier is going to be there. So as we take time to pray, we confess our sins to God. Because He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as 1 John 1 9 tells us. Then that wall is separate, that wall is broken down. Then we can have fellowship with our Lord and Savior. It'd be no different than me and my wife having an argument and a spat. And it's not that we're no longer married, right? But we don't have right fellowship. And until one of us come or whoever is in the wrong and confess it and make it right, then there's going to be that tension there, right? But we come together and we say, hey, I'm sorry. I love you. I didn't mean to. Everything's worked out. That wall of separation is brought down. And now we can have fellowship again. It's the same way with God. We need to make sure we're confessing that sin, getting things made right. But that separation is what is keeping us from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 18, it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus Christ came to this earth so we can be reconciled, so we can be redeemed. We can be brought back to fellowship with God. This is the reunion that God wants to have with you and with me. He no longer wants us to be separated. But thankfully, Jesus made a way that we can be brought back to Him. Even though Jesus rose from the grave over 2,000 years ago, His message is still just as important today as it was back then. We need to tell the world that Jesus is still in the saving business. It's not just something that uh, is for those in biblical times, those of generations gone by. It is for us today that we need to understand that Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We sing the song so often, but do we stop and take time to understand what it's about? Since that message is so important, we find thirdly, the authority of the message. Number three this morning, the authority of the message as we find there in verses 7 and 8 of our text. Look with me there again. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And they did run to bring his disciples' word. Understand something this morning. It's not the angel's responsibility and job to spread the good news. He could have easily done it right here. This angel could have said, uh, I'm going to go and tell the disciples what's going to happen. Didn't work that way. Jesus Christ has left us here on this earth. So we can spread the good news. It is our job. Again, it's the command that we've been given there at the end of chapter 28. We have been told to go and spread the good news. But what is the authority that was given here? Again, it was given by the angel that said they're there to share this important message. You're going and take it to the disciples. Now at this point, the disciples were probably hurting. Because the crucifixion had just occurred. And no doubt, they were somewhat confused as well. How is Jesus going to build His kingdom that He had preached so much about if He is dead? How is He going to rule and reign as the King of Kings if He is no longer here? 
these women were instructed to, to go and share the message of encouragement that they were told to meet the, the Lord in a specific place. You see that? Go to Galilee. That's where he's going to be. It's important that these women were sent quickly. The angel said, go quickly. They, he didn't say, uh, take your time and oh, by the way, uh, run by QT and grab yourself a drink and a good hot dog and then make your journey on and you'll be all right. No, he said, go quickly. He said, you got to go now. There's a reason for that. We need to go quickly. We, we all understand the brevity of life. We all understand that none of us understand or, or know when our time is up. So we've got to be busy about our Father's business. We've got to go. We've got to make sure that we're, we're spreading the good news as He called us to do. We know the Scripture says it's appointed under man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Each and every one of us are going to give an account to God. We've got to make sure that we're ready before we leave this earth. Each one of us who are saved must quickly go and tell others about the good news. We shouldn't wait and look for another opportunity because we don't know if we're going to have another opportunity. This is exactly what these women did. Verse number 8 says, and they departed quickly. Notice it says that they ran. Anybody here want to go running? I don't. That shows how important it was to them that they ran. They went. They quickly left. The importance of this message determines your response and what you do with it. It was important to them. They ran. They went to deliver this message as quick as possible. What do we do with the message? Oh, that's for somebody else. Oh, that's for them. Or, oh, that's for somebody else to do. The message is for us. What are we doing with it? I'm sure many can think back maybe when you got saved. When you accepted the Lord as your Savior, the excitement, the joy that you had. This was the point of my, maybe where you were getting on fire for God and you wanted to tell everybody what had happened to you. This is the point to where they were. They had that excitement. They had that joy. So what happened to us? Why don't we have that same joy anymore? Why don't we have that same excitement that we once had for God? We understand that when we were saved, we were pulled from the very pit of hell. And that should excite us. That we no longer have to worry about that. We get to look forward to a mansion in heaven, the Bible says. But yet we allow that excitement to just go away. Hey, we need to get excited. I know we're Baptists. We can't do that, right? We've got to sit here. Well, no, you don't. You can get excited in church, amen? Think about what God has done for you. Think about the eternal destiny we have because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He was raised again that third and glorious day. Man, that should be exciting to us. But too many times we just get pulled away by the world. We don't think about it. We don't focus on it. We don't dwell on it. But that's what the Bible tells us we're to do. Have you lost that fear and that great joy of your salvation? These women experienced that joy, that excitement as well. They were excited because they had witnessed the empty tomb. They had seen it for themselves. The Lord had risen from the dead, as He said. Now they were to go and to do what the angel had told them quickly to deliver this message. When we serve our Lord in whatever capacity He calls us to do, we must have that same excitement. Psalms chapter 2, verse number 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Remember who it is you're speaking of and what you're talking about. And that will help us maintain that fear and great joy. 
Now the final event that we find in this demonstrated on that day that we continue to do today is number four is the adoration of Christ. The adoration of Christ. Look again at verse number nine. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. As we read the previous verses, we noticed that no one fell at the feet of the angel and worshipped him. No one exalted him and said, look at him, he's an angel, let's worship him. But we find here in verse number 9 that that's what they did with the Lord. They understand who he was. They grabbed him, held him by the feet, the Bible says. These disciples, these followers of the Lord Jesus Christ prostrated themselves, falling down at his feet as a token of reverence and fear and humility of who he was. Some had watched the Lord's crucifixion from a distance just three days prior. And now they were touching his pierced feet. This is where we need to find ourselves. More often than not. Is at the feet of Jesus. Showing our respect and reverence to our Lord and Savior. But it seems many Christians today are are falling into the ways of the world instead of following Christ. They want what the world has to offer more than what God has to offer us. If you want more of Christ in your life, then stop focusing on the world and start falling at His feet. Verse number 9 continues and said they worshipped Him. They didn't worship Mary or Salome. They didn't, they didn't worship Peter or John. They worshipped the Lord. There's only one who is worthy of our worship, our praise, our adoration, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can take away the sins of this world. He is the only one who can heal and provide. He is our good shepherd. He is our resurrected Savior. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the only way you can get to heaven. As we come back, again, think about some scripture songs. One that comes to mind is Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created to worship God. We were created to exalt Him and lift Him up. We were created to praise Him. Although his resurrection happened over 2,000 years ago, we can and should still celebrate it today. Are you still sharing the good news of the gospel? Are you still worshiping at the feet of Jesus? Today, why not make a decision to celebrate the Lord every day? Don't make it just a Sunday morning thing. Every day, celebrate God and what he's done for us. But I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As I said earlier, this is the high point of our annual calendar. The events of today is the whole reason we come to church.